Good morning, Eric. Hey, Leo. How you been? It seems like it's been a while. Audience isn't supposed to know that because we just posted our last episode Sunday. So yeah, very true. But don't tell them. That's a secret. Okay. Wink. Wink. There. Good job. I have to say it because the audience can't see me actually winking, <laughs> and neither can you because we're recording audio. Oh, it seems like we just recorded, Eric. Yeah. Like it was yesterday. Exactly. Feels like forever. That's what I meant. Yeah, there you go. I've been traveling quite a bit, actually. I'm super busy. I've been conferencing and vacationing the last few weeks. Conferencing. I think that's the first time I've heard that as a verb. Anything could be a verb in English. Yeah, I went to MicroConf in Las Vegas. This is my third time. I had a really great time. Got to talk about software and running a business and of course personal productivity and podcasting so if you are somebody who's thinking about starting a business or or a developer and are a techie i highly highly recommend going to microconf and then right after that i took a red eye back here home and then we drove the whole family down to new orleans for spring break which was a lot of fun. I love New Orleans. So much good food. The weather was gorgeous. From the pics I saw, it looks like it's a good family destination as well. Yeah, it is. You know, the difference between like New Orleans and Las Vegas is pretty stark when it's a matter of days since you've been there. And uh, just New Orleans definitely has like the party city vibe to it, but it just has so much more culture and history to it. It's, It's such a richer place to be at. As opposed to Las Vegas, which for all intents and purposes is an artificial city. I mean, purposely, it's just a city built in the desert out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm pretty much tailored for adults as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sure you could probably take kids there and they could go to the pool and they have like arcades and places where they have things for kids. But yeah, it's pretty much tailored for adults. But New Orleans, I went to the Piers. Uh, this was the first time I've been to the Piers conference, and that was uh, really fantastic. I got to meet some new folks, got to learn about freelancing and running an agency, and a lot of people are into personal productivity there too. So I got some really great topic ideas and perhaps even some guests for the future. Great conference. If you're a freelancer, I recommend that as well. It's pretty reasonably priced and Usually they pick a, a really interesting city for it because that, that one travels. So, All right. I'll make sure to include some links in the show notes as well to uh, both of those conferences. Yeah, we definitely will. So what's new with you? I have just been teaching at MSU and I'm teaching web development. So getting to the end of the semester and it already is uh, picking up in intensity. Students are asking for more attention for a lot of the later lessons that I offer because they're more difficult than the first ones, which makes sense. And so that's how it goes. More work near the end of the semester, plus grading and all of that is going to be coming up soon. So yeah, so you're probably super busy right now. Uh, Feeling like it. Yeah. Yeah, very much just uh, on the go. Although I haven't done any red eyes and multi-state drives with family or anything like that. Just been uh, busing myself all over town, meeting with students, having class and then trying to maintain the rest of my life while doing all of that. Yeah, it's been really busy for me as well. I just got back and now I'm busy doing client work again and trying to maintain connections with people I met at the conference. It really got me to thinking we've been sharing some articles 
quite often and that we find on productivity. And there seems to be like this common theme I'm hearing. And it's, I think, really something that our podcast tries to focus on is avoiding like optimizing your life around productivity and how there could be some pitfalls to doing that, like burnout or just obsessing over like optimization as opposed to getting the work actually done, things like that. And I I thought it would be a really good topic for today's episode is talking about avoiding over-optimization and kind of getting to like the title of our podcast, really, like getting to productivity that's just good enough. Yeah. So have you seen those uh, new commercials about okay? Sometimes okay is not good enough? No. What is this for? Actually, look it up. We don't have cable. My wife was telling me about this. It's an AT&T. But the premise of the commercials is that some things are not okay to be just okay, like doctors and plumbers. So there are these handful of commercials where someone is asking for a referral or asking how someone's work is, and they say, "Eh, it's okay. And then, you know, if you're going into surgery, you don't want a doctor who is just okay. I'll post a link in our notes. All right. Is it AT&T? Yeah, yeah. It's a series of them. I have one for a surgeon. But I think depends on your definition of okay, right? Like, okay doesn't mean sloppy or lazy. Okay just means good enough. Right. I think, like, it's fine with trying to reach your maximum potential. There's a certain point at which you're kind of, like, overselling productivity as something that you're really looking for when it isn't necessarily the crux of the issue and maybe optimization is only going to get you so far. Right. And so... The reason I brought these commercials up is because I think the difference is that you need to um, become okay at something. You need to focus on a handful of things that get you the most bang for your buck. You've got to put in that focus on building good habits and your craft. And then for some of the things that are brought up in the commercials, like doctors and plumbers. The difference there is they have taken their craft from okay to mastery, and they are putting a lot of emphasis on guaranteed results. So it's the difference between like, first, you need to get good enough at something where 80% of the time you're doing really good. And then sure, like stuff is going to happen that sets you back or whatever. Then from there, you need to start digging in and then getting from that 80% to 90%, 95, 98, 99 to the point where you are always on. That is a lot more difficult and probably requires a lot more critical analysis of what you're doing. And I think we're trying to help people with a lot more simple, practical tasks to go from you've got a problem with your personal productivity and You need basic concepts, some simple strategies to take you to 80% as quickly as you can. Yeah, I think it really depends on the craft too. Because I'm trying to remember which episode, but we talked about the Hank Green video about him making a video specifically and trying to get to that like 80% point and saying that's good enough as opposed to trying to like perfect something that isn't going to get you very far and 
just simply isn't worth the time for what the real goal of that video or that piece of work is. So yeah, I think it just seems like with a surgeon too, it's not just on the surgeon. They're talking about like, for instance, when we read the book Power of Habit, he talks about the fact that you need like redundancy in the system and it's about procedure and it's not necessarily about the surgeon getting better at what they do per se, as much as it is about the system helping the surgeon be better at what they do. Yeah. So I think that this is going to what you're saying about like habits, like especially if you're working and collaborating with other people, you have to also think about like the system and the communication of other pieces not just, you know, doing surgery for extra long just to make sure that you're doing a perfect job. Right. Even in those uh, cases like doctors, surgeons, plumbers, any kind of a skilled task that is important and important to the level that you want the number of mistakes to be as close to zero as possible, they don't start out by trying to learn every single small little way to do things as perfectly as possible all at the same time. And I think that's where we're going here is like that optimization of productivity is kind of jumping the gun. It's trying to become a surgeon who has 20 years of experience when you first need to take that step back and learn some of the basics. Yeah. There's this common theme in like I I see with like video or music where people want to be experimental because they look up to somebody specific. Like they want to try doing something experimental in that art form, but it's important that you get good at just being able to, you know, draw a circle or playing chopsticks or doing very, very basic stuff before you can get to the level of where you can actually experiment. Cause otherwise it's just simply noise. And I think that goes to your point, like premature optimization. If you haven't gotten through the basics, you don't even know what the heck you're optimizing for. Yeah, that actually, so I tried to come up with my definition of premature optimization because I think that's what it's fair to call a lot of this attempt to micromanage your productivity. And it's really close to trying to improve something before you even have a way of measuring what you're trying to improve. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Chopsticks, like before you even know the notes of a piano, you might be able to memorize a piece, but there are a lot of other qualities that are more than just pressing the keys. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know what those qualities are, how are you going to measure how good you are and find ways to improve from now that you've memorized the piece, how can you make it sound more pleasant to more people? Yep. Trying to come back to productivity a little bit. I think that a lot of these small little like tactical optimizations that are all over the place and blog articles and podcasts and books, they can sound really appealing. And a lot of them sound really simple too. I think the trouble comes in when going back to premature optimization, you don't know how to measure the efficacy of any of these things. So they are just tricks and they aren't sweeping generalities. A lot of techniques for improving productivity are going to be personal. So just throwing a a lot of these tricks into your life is just like throwing a bunch of stuff up against the wall to see what sticks. 
And then the results could be so minuscule that it's not worth all of the time that you're spending listening to tons of podcasts, listen, like reading all of these books, making all of these very small changes to your life, but they are like being spread out all over your day and could be having a negative impact. What's your rate of return when you cause that kind of friction in your life? I think that's really Ooh, yeah. the question to ask. And especially when you're that early in the process, something may seem simple, but in fact, like you said, like those small changes could cause a lot of friction in your life. And your return from it might be minuscule. Yep. One of the things to look at is finding ways to simplify your life or to reduce the amount of change you need to make. Because routine, I think, is a big part of it. This goes back to talking about habits. Like Habits are a great way of offloading the conscious thinking of having to do certain things because your brain automatically does it. And like, I think a big part of that is simplification and turning into some sort of routine. Yeah. And often when it comes to people's work, especially you have a routine for doing your work. So trying to change a bunch of things in that routine at once, first of all, it's going to be hard to measure what the efficacy of any of those changes will be. And you could actually do the opposite. You could actually slow things way down just because you're doing so many different new things. So yeah, I totally am on board with that. Trying to simplify, reduce the number of things that you want to change in order to become a little bit or a lot more productive, uh, depending on where you are at in terms of your own productivity. Totally thumbs that it. Thumbs up that idea. Yeah. And I think, you know, just keeping it simple, pick one thing or pick Pick a couple of things and then change that. Going back to atomic habits, like make it a really, really simple, easy thing for you to do. That's small, but that you can build on top of. Yeah. My recommendation for trying to find the big areas where you can make improvement is to be scientific. And by that, I mean, apply the scientific method. And I think this could make some people hesitate or cringe because I think a lot of the ways that we're taught the scientific method, it seems like this very formal, big, rigid process. However, I think it's one of my favorite systems that humans have devised. And I also think it's one of the most important. And if it had a better way to market itself, or we had simpler ways to talk about it, we could make the analogies that scientific method is used in a lot more than just science. Um, Take a segue here. So have you ever worked on an agile development team? Yes. Okay. So there will be usually some kind of a concept of like a sprint or an iteration where you work for a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever it can be. At each of those points, you have small little bits of planning. You do estimation. You have a sense of how much work you can get done. And then you do it. And then at the end, you evaluate what you actually got done, and then you reflect on, well, what happened in these last two weeks or whatever. To me, that screams scientific method. It's just not the formal, I'm a scientist in a lab coat, and I'm collecting data and forming hypotheses and running experiments. It's just the nature of our work, and we want to improve it. And the way we do that is by measuring and looking at the results, and then coming up with ideas to change and try again. 
So in my mind, the scientific method, if you take some of the order of the individual components of that and shift them around a little bit, the idea is that you collect some data, first identify what your measure of productivity is. So if you're doing audio editing, you have an idea of, okay, for an hour of recording, you know that it's going to take you however many minutes or hours to actually edit that down to 30 minutes or whatever. You can analyze that. You can take a look at, okay, in that 60 minutes or however long it takes you to edit that audio, what am I doing? And you can follow, like you're doing the analysis Mm -hmm. in the scientific method. This is, you've collected data. Now you're analyzing the data. All right. So you're not even forming a hypothesis or anything. You're just looking at what you've got, what your productivity is at right now, and you analyze it. So what are the steps? What is the system that you are currently using? Because this is the thing that you want to improve upon. And by combining the data and analyzing it in this way, you can make a prediction, which is the third step. This is like the forming of a hypothesis that you have 40 of those minutes maybe are spent searching for us and ums and us or whatever. Feel free to chime in if I'm completely off base on the audio editing because you do this. <laughs> so you make a prediction that most of your time in this process is being spent in a certain spot and that is an ideal candidate for improvement. So find an area where there is room for big improvement and come up with an idea to actually change that will somehow affect the amount of time that it takes you to complete that task. Yeah. And then test it, make the change, and then repeat the process. So you make the change, edit another bit of audio, and then see how long it takes you, and then analyze it, and you just keep repeating this process. Sometimes all you have to do is repeat that process or do the process just one time because you'll be right. You'll improve or you'll reduce the amount of time that you spent on that task by, I don't know, 50%, and that's good enough for you. Sometimes you can look at the data and find other ideas. Or maybe that first time you looked at it, you came up with tons of ideas, but you don't want to change a lot at the same time because that can skew your results. Try and make one change and then see what happens so that you know that is the exact change that affected your productivity. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. One thing I've started making more of an effort doing is tracking my time, especially since I started this new contract and also just because I want to know where my time is going and what I could do to optimize that. And I think collecting data is a big part of that. So like, yeah, tracking time, I started tracking my calories, which have been a bit of a challenge, but it's worked out. What I love is too, uh, we've talked about like toggle before is I just started, I noticed that they have like a calendar feature. So if there's any gaps in my time in my schedule, I can basically create like a calendar appointment in toggle that will reflect that specific project that I'm working on, which makes it a lot easier to fill in any gaps in my time tracking, which do come up. So I can't recommend that stuff enough. Yeah. And so since we're hot on the heels of our review of Atomic Habits, I can't help but think that collecting and analyzing this process should be as simple as possible. So trying to use ways to automatically collect data 
or maybe it's already collecting data and you just need to look at it, is a really good way to go. So this doesn't have to be a really intense, exhaustive, critical analysis of your productivity. Um, Some of the data also could just be estimates. So in one of our recent episodes, we also talked about how we tried Alarmy. And so I think Alarmy actually is using this same almost scientific approach. The first thing it does is ask you some questions. That is the collecting of data and the analyzing of data to figure out how it might be able to help you make a change to your sleeping and waking habits. So in my case, the questions that it asked, it recommended basically just setting an alarm and then I hit stop and I wake up. So it basically was saying, I don't need Alarmy, which was awesome. Sometimes that's a good way to identify like you're looking at the wrong types of changes to improve your productivity. So in that case, I didn't need an app that would ask me lots of complicated questions and tasks and stuff like that to get me out of bed. Yep. It was a fun experiment, but by using this process, I saw that that wasn't an area that I really need to spend a lot of time optimizing. On the flip side, I've also talked about how I had started using screen time when I upgraded iOS. And I didn't really think about it the first week. It was just automatically gathering data on how I used social media and a bunch of other apps on my phone. And then after a week, it gave me a report. And I looked at the report and saw that I was spending hours each day on social media apps. And I knew like, wow, hours every day. Yeah, that's something that I need to fix. So analyzing the data through the report that it gave me showed me that I was spending a lot of time on my phone on Facebook. And I could tell that that was an easy prediction for me to make that if I remove Facebook and if I wipe out the timeline so that I'm stopping the reading of Facebook, it'll free up that time so I can focus on creating content for Facebook, which is what I was supposed to be doing anyway. It's just that social media can be one of those traps. Sometimes as part of your job, you have to create social media posts to promote what you're doing and talk to the people who are supporting you. But it's also really distracting and it's easy to get caught up in your timeline and reading other people's posts. And that was a major distraction for me. So that ended up working in my favor. The data showed that I was spending a lot more time than I could guess on social media. And it gave me a couple of really simple ideas that I could try out to save me hours every day. So one of the things I really wanted to get to and talk about in this episode was one of the problems I see with optimization and what our articles that we had posted talk about. So we have this article by Xander, Nethercut, but also this uh, tweet thread from Chris Hawkins, as well as the article by Megan Holstein. And they both kind of get at this thing. I think a lot of people who are in the, like our economy has obviously shifted away from these like industrial labor jobs that are basic and physical to a lot more using brain power, so to speak. And also we kind of have this culture, I think, that's become a lot more where people are centering their lives around their work. And work tends to sometimes not value people's personal lives in certain ways. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the problems I see, and this is even for self-employed people, is just work, 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 and optimizing for work and avoiding the part of themselves that, quite frankly, like they need rest. You're not going to be at 100% all the time. That's what burnout is called when you get to that point. And so a lot of these articles, and I, I feel like Christopher here, he kind of talks about essentially talking about it like your cognition needs good food, rest, and recreation to stay sharp. And this woman here is just kind of complaining that, you know, she has a really hard time recently and has a hard time like free time coding and blogging, creating content. She feels overcome by feelings. And, you know, it gets at this thing that like your brain is a muscle. You need emotional support. You need time to rest. You need time to play and things like this. Otherwise, that muscle is just going to simply burn out and you won't even be at 80% when you need to. And I also feel like Sander kind of talks about how like it almost is like our economy has set it up to where in the point of competition, like everybody wants to be at 100%, but then you end up with this issue of like burnout because everybody is competing. Like you get into this whole problem where like workplaces have like, I don't know if you've heard this, like unlimited vacation, right? Have you heard of this before? Where it's like, oh yeah, you just take vacation whenever you want to. But then it ends up building a culture where people feel guilty for taking vacation because there is no assigned vacation. And I think sometimes it's healthy for employees to like basically say like, look, you need to take these two weeks by the end of the year. You have a max that you can carry over. I get that now because sometimes people can feel the need to like constantly work all the time. And especially in like American culture, it's just work. We value work so much. Um, Whereas that like idle time just isn't value. I think Megan really talks about this really well in the article, in her article where she talks about like not everything needs to be optimized. Chris also talks about this. He talks about scheduling time for play and how important that is. Like, and I, that's something I believe in. Like we've got Easter coming up this weekend. And for me, it's, you know, I'm going to schedule time to not be working because my family needs fun time and they need my attention. And also I need a break from work because I don't think my work is going to be very good if I'm working all the time, I, if I don't have that break. Where were your thoughts on any of those articles? Had a couple. So to add to what you were saying, another idea I had is that work is not the one and only important thing in our lives too. I would go even farther and say like productivity isn't the one and only because we do productivity also in our personal lives, whether that's like cleaning the house or cooking or other things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I also wanted to say that I think a lot of those systems of glorifying hard work, putting in long hours, and then also praising and continuing to elevate the people who are doing more and more, which some of the time maybe it's deserved because they're doing awesome things. But it also leads to comparisons. And in my mind, productivity is about personal development, not trying to get to the point where you can produce something just as good as someone else who is working next to you or near you. Yeah, exactly. Megan says this in her article, the fact of the matter is we have the same amount of time. Elon Musk runs a $3 billion companies with the same 24 hours you use to drop off clothes at the dry cleaner and grab a sandwich at Wendy's. 
like the fact of the matter is like he has advantages in his life. He has advantages in how he got to where he is. And you can't like he's made other (laughs) sacrifices that you have not made. And you have to be honest with yourself about what is it that you really want. And when you have fall short in some of those places, it's not just simply about like, oh, you need to be more productive. But in other cases, it could be like, you're not skilled at business or you don't want to give up your family for your business or you don't want to give up where you live and the opportunities you might have there or, you know, so many other things that for every glory story we have about people who've quote unquote made it, like there's also a bit of a dark lining, I guess, in that story that we're oftentimes overlook or aren't willing to understand. And in many cases, like Elon doesn't do everything. He hires people out to do the dry cleaning, getting lunch and all that stuff. And that's part of it as well. So things that Elon Musk is doing now aren't the same things that got him to where he is right now. Right. Some of his habits might still be the same. However, he wasn't an overnight success. He didn't just make all of these transformations in his life to get where he is today. He went through a lot of the same processes. He had to spend time building PayPal and using that as like the way to go to the next level. Like we never glorify those stories. We always just look at the outer veneer of success. And I think you really brought up a good point. It's like Elon Musk built on top of previous successes that might have, you know, been a lot of hard work and a lot of stress. Yeah. So comparing where you're at right now to where someone else who might be a role model, might be someone successful, might just be a coworker that is doing the sorts of things that you want to do isn't necessarily healthy or helpful at getting you to the place that you want to be. So I have a little side story. You see a lot of movies, right? A pretty fair amount. Okay. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? No, didn't catch that one. Okay. I did not like it. I watched it on the plane, but it really grinds my gears because of the like tropes of success that I see in movies. There's a really good book called The Myth of Innovation. And uh, it talks about how like these stories, so, you know, if it's Edison or in this case, like Freddie Mercury, it really smooths out the edges of the hard work involved in, you know, making something great or being successful. Uh, and it also follows a lot of like, Bohemian Rhapsody is really, really bad at this because it follows all these like tropes that you see in, in music stories or in music movies to the point where like there's blatant like lies in the movie about Queen's success. And like that just really grinds my gears because it's not like if you want to be a successful band, comparing yourself to them in this story is just so off base because it's not even what really happened. And I just find that stuff infuriating. Yeah, it's not not an ideal way to get people to grow and make changes in their lives. And it can also be really emotionally deflating too when you're trying and trying and trying and not seeing the same results because you're not the same person and you haven't seen that it took, you know, this person or this company or this band 30 years to get where they are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they had to know how to like, there's nothing about, Oh, you know, they're really good, solid musicians or any of that stuff. It's all just kind of 
ignored for the sake of a good movie. So I think the other thing I wanted to talk about, besides just the importance of taking breaks and the importance of not comparing yourself in unhealthy ways, is just getting sucked in by over-optimization. And I think one of the problems I see is, especially amongst software developers, scientific-minded people like us, I know early on as a software developer, when I would build something, I would like optimize and create a whole routine for like three items when in essence, I should really have just done the manual labor of whatever is involved in those few items that they need to be done for. Because quite frankly, I'm the only person that's going to do this and I might never have to do it again. I see this problem with optimization where it's like, oh, I'm going to save time by trying to figure out what routine or what script I need to run in order to get it done, where it's just a matter of simple copy and paste in a lot of ways. And it might just cause friction for you, but it's not really a big consumer of time. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another analogy for people who may not be software developers. For instance, when we produce a show, right, we have to create videos and artwork. In some ways, we could optimize that, but... It's just simpler for us to just manually create that stuff at this point because the amount of work in optimizing something like that wouldn't give us the payout of just manually creating artwork or converting images or creating a video or anything like that. That's the example that comes clear to me right now. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, as far as like cooking, perhaps optimizing, you know, your kitchen layout, for instance and hiring somebody out to optimize that or optimize, I don't know, trying to think of other ways. Health is a great, great way. Because I feel like health, you can optimize that stuff a crazy amount, like buy the best sneakers you can possibly buy for running, like if you're into running. Like, you know, it's not worth spending two hours on Amazon trying to find the best sneaker. Just get a pair. And like, the point is that you should start doing physical activity. And if you don't like those sneakers, like rather than spending all that time on oogling over sneakers, maybe you should just like do the running and what you have before you don't know what you're optimizing for, in a sense. Yeah. How do you even know that sneakers are the thing that's really holding you back? Right. Exactly. But they look nice. Yeah. <laughs> what are some other things you can think of where people get trapped? So an idea I had was that Going back to what you were saying about this um, glorifying of and like centering work in our lives, I've seen, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it, people trying to optimize things that are not their work to reduce the amount of time that something in their evening or their morning takes so that they can spend more time at work. That's a little frustrating for me because... You're like optimizing something else in your life to free up more time so that you can do this other thing instead of trying to optimize that thing. So you're not actually doing anything to help yourself work more effectively. You're trying to free up other parts of your life that might be important or other people in your life might find important so that you can spend more time at work. So I think this was, was it Xander's article that was talking about the uh, meal prep? Yes. Yeah. So then you spend money on the meal prep and then you have to work more to pay for the meal prep. And then, <laughs> yep. And you're maybe saving yourself half an hour. It's not like cooking takes a long time, but 
you're optimizing this part. And I'm not saying that there's something wrong with meal prep, like food delivery services and stuff like that. What I'm saying is that if your goal is to use those services so that you can spend more time at work, that you might want to rethink what problems you're trying to fix. Yeah. Um, Because your time would be better spent finding ways to get better at your work so that you can produce results faster or like with less money or whatever than trying to optimize other areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like enjoy those small things in life. Like cooking can be really relaxing and a really great way to like, just, you know, take your time instead of rushing into everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if that's not your goal, if you just, hate cooking, hate going to the grocery store. I can totally understand that. But if your goal is to free up more time so that you can just work, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're ready to conclude this episode. Okay. So I just wanted to recap. A lot of the focus here has been about premature optimization, like trying to improve your productivity in a lots of different areas before you're even aware of what the impact will be. So I recommend taking pause and looking at maybe one thing in your life that you want to try and do better at and look at the impact that change could have before you dive into it. Yep. And I also think another point is make sure you know what to measure and measure that. Use, like you said, the scientific method to see if you're getting what you want out of the productivity you measure. I think the basic steps would be collect some data about your productivity or the thing that you want to become better at. Analyze it to find areas that you might be able to improve. Pick one of those ideas, try it out, and then repeat that process to collect the data and see what the actual impact of your change was. And then going back to what you said, the main thing is to measure first so that you know the results of your change. Yep. And then the other point I wanted to make was the importance of taking breaks. Your brain is a muscle and it needs breaks and you can't just be productive all the time because there could be some serious issues if you keep that up and run into like burnout. So make sure to take breaks when you can because they're a healthy way of being actually more productive over the long term. Yep, totally agree. And then uh, I think the uh, fourth thing that we talked about over the episode that I want to point out again is to try and focus on making the systems that you're using to produce, like whatever your work is, improve those things directly instead of trying to free up more time or optimize other parts of your life so that you can spend more time producing, which I think ties in nicely to being able to take breaks and recharge. Yeah, I agree. I think it was a really good topic to cover, and I hope that people take it to heart and learn how to not get sucked in by too much optimization and uh, take life in a little bit of a stride when they can. Yeah, and if people are having challenges with that, they are more than welcome to tag us on social media or wherever they can get a hold of us, and we can jump in and brainstorm with them. If you are listening to this episode, please do uh, reach out to us on social media. We are on Twitter at OK Productive. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. So we'd love to hear back from you. 
Again, we will talk to you later. Bye, Leo. Bye.